Welcome to the 180 Podcast. You are listening to a teaching of the 180, a new church committed to learning to love Jesus and love like Jesus. Our prayer is that God would use this teaching to help you grow closer to Him and that you would feel moved to join us in person, where you can grow in community with the larger 180 family. Bienvenue à la balado-diffusion de l'Église 180. Vous écoutez un enseignement de l'Église 180, une nouvelle Église qui s'est engagée à apprendre à aimer Jésus et à aimer comme Jésus. Notre prière est que Dieu utilisera cet enseignement afin de vous aider à vous rapprocher de Lui et que cela vous donne envie de vous joindre à nous en personne où vous pourrez vous épanouir au sein de la communauté qu'est la grande famille de l'Église 180. Thanks everyone for singing and for, uh, before you have a seat, can we give not the whole band a hand, but just the drummer in the box that's 100 degrees. <laughs> so, thanks, Mateo. Thanks. I'm sure that that fan is useless. All right. <laughs> we never thought when we thought we were going to start a series on the Exodus that the weather would feel like the weather in Egypt at the same time. But that's exactly it, the feeling. Uh, if you, if you want to know what it's like to be in Bible times, there you go. I just think about it oftentimes. Up here it's warm and, you know, I'm hot and I'm trying to connect. And I, I think about people listening to Jesus teach, like in the heat and our kids are running and we're thirsty, Jesus speed it up. We, you know, just how easily we take for granted the gift of being here. And so uh, thanks for, for joining us and for learning with us. This morning, before I begin, I actually want to begin in a little bit of a different way, and I want to share you, with you something that I thought a lot about this week, and, and it really has to do kind of in my own life with a prayer of me praying for God to make room in my life. You know, it's something that you're making room in your life and something that I need to learn to do as a leader, to say, God, I want to make room for ways that you're going to call me to grow. You're going to stretch me as a leader, you know, because to have a leader that that, you know, you all know this, for you guys to do it and for me not to do it, the great word for that is to be a hypocrite, you know, but to say we're doing that, God is stretching us and God is stretching you. And so a few months ago, I got a, I got a request uh, from someone that I know, a leader uh, that had asked if I would be open to go and teach leaders in another part of the world. And, and at first I was like, yeah, that's a good idea. And in my head I'm thinking, I'm not doing that. It's, it's too long and messy and I don't know, I'm not going to do that. And then I finally got back to me and he said, actually, Dom, we really need the possibility of you, because of my studies, because of my, my PhD, to be able to come and teach in Africa. Would you do that? And, you know, I started to pray, and I shared this with our elders, and I asked them to, you know, pray with me and to allow some space for that. And I'm so excited to let you know that in the next little while, I'll be traveling both to Egypt and then to Africa to teach some leaders who are training to be pastors who are going to plant churches. And I'm not just doing that, like, as Dom teaching, but I'm also doing that as, as a person who's part of this church family, that you and our leaders are, are letting me and sending me, and I'm a part of like what God is doing around the world because there's going to be more opportunities in the future for how we can partner with people around the world, how we can train other leaders, not only in Quebec, but in places around the world where you know, people are, are dying to understand the Bible better and also to see new churches emerge. And at first I thought, what am I doing? I mean, when I saw the list of vaccines, I was like, what, what am I? I'm not. And then I thought, no, this is what it means to trust God and to go wherever he's called you to go. And so over the next little while, one of the things I'm going to do is just ask you to be praying for me, for my family. And one of the reasons that I can actually do this now is because we have such a great staff and we have such a great team. And I'm so grateful for, for the time to go do this. Yeah, you can clap. We have an amazing team. And, uh, and I'm really grateful for our elders. 
And I also want to show you a, a beautiful verse in the Bible that really held all this together for me this, this week that I was praying and I wanted to share this. And it's, a, it's a, just a few verses in the Psalms. It says this, Let Egypt come with gifts of precious metals. I'll be in Egypt for a little while. And let Ethiopia bring tribute to God. Sing to God, you kingdoms of the earth. Sing praises to the Lord. I mean, I never thought I would find a verse where actually I will be in those two places in the next little while. And, and to just envision what it means that God wants us to be those who invite the nations to worship God the way we're learning to worship God. And, and as, as you think about this, I want to help you understand how profound this is based on the series we've been in. We've been a se- in a series learning about how the people of God were for years slaves in Egypt. And now their prayers are prayers of longing that the Egyptians would also worship their God and praise their God. Do you know how much healing you have to have? Do you know how much you have to grow to want your enemies to stand with you as you worship God? Some of you can't even get along with your coworkers. Can you imagine a movie where Batman and the Joker are friends? None of you go watch that. Boring, 10 minutes, they hug, I don't know, they have cake. But it's like, think of like the way we think of like an enemy. You, we hated you, you killed us, we were slaves. And in the Psalms, we have this prayer that comes to the surface so that Egypt as well would bring gifts to our Lord, that they would start to praise God. That the people of Africa, some translations say the, the region of Cush, because in the Bible times, the region of Africa wasn't called Ethiopia yet. But it's this region that is bubbling with life and is a different culture and in different ideas and different ways to worship God. And so it's such a great reminder for us that as we're praying and as we're growing, that God would stretch us to be people who long to be formed and healed so that we would start to love our enemies in a new way. Maybe for you, that's a big step. Maybe for you, you think of an enemy and you think of like an ex-husband, ex-wife, a co-worker, a pastor. Telling you, if only you could be a fly on the wall and I tell people I'm a pastor at a church, oof, they got stories. Let me tell you, and those are real stories, real pain, real betrayal, real hurt, and to get to the place to say, God, but you are healing that in me. You are healing this as I worship my heart longs that others would see how you've changed me so that now my enemy is my friend. My enemy is my neighbor now because God has done something deep in us. We're we're learning about how God is doing that to a people in the Bible. How he takes them and you might be surprised. God doesn't just sprinkle like fairy dust on them and they magically become like loving. You know this and if anybody has that, you're making a lot of money. (laughs) That's not how it works. We are formed into a people that loves in a new way. We are shaped and trained and corrected by God's love to become those people. And over the past few weeks, we've invited you to go on this journey with us to learn really a part of the Bible where this formation is happening in a very like tight way. And that's in the book of Exodus. In the book of Exodus, also the book of Deuteronomy, you get this, you see God setting his people free from Egypt, and then after setting them free, teaching them what a biblical understanding of freedom is. By now, you should know this. If you don't know this by now, by the way, you know what it's called? You're not listening. That's what it's called, okay? And maybe, maybe you're just here for the first time, so it's okay. So let me just repeat it. Freedom is that God sets his people free to form them as his own people. And we did this in our series by connecting two ideas, the idea of freedom and guidelines, that God gives his people guidelines to benefit from their freedom, 
okay, to live in the fullness of their freedom. They're not just free to just run around and do whatever they want, right? Which is oftentimes the way I think our culture or the way we think about freedom. Like freedom is you don't get to tell me what to do, right? Everybody experiences that. And, and you know, when you're immature as a child, you think that. But when you mature, you realize that that's not real freedom. That's a little bit of chaos. Freedom is set free with a framework to be fully alive, And one of the ways that the Bible teaches us this is through the section of the Bible called the Ten Commandments. And we've been going through that. Now, so far, we've covered the first three commandments. If you've missed them, maybe you're watching online, you're landing right in the middle of the series, those talks are online. You can go watch them again remember parts of it, right? But let me just tell you that the first three commandments, just to give you something to a reference point, have a particular focus. And I have it on a slide for you so you can see it. The first three commandments, one, correct distorted ideas of who God is. Okay, these commandments quickly correct the people in the Bible time, especially they came from Egypt, all the ideas about God that they had, that they learned in Egypt. They had all these different views about God, what God would do, how to worship God, how to you know, surrender to God, how to sacrifice to God, all these ideas, and God's like, no, we're going to correct that. All of us are prone to have misconceptions about God. All of us learn something about God. Like, think about like, the earliest image you have of God. I'll tell you mine. Don't judge me, right? God is like Santa. Old, wise, loving, man, big white beard, and you know, all these, and you do good things, he gives you good things, and he's watching if you're naughty or nice, and if there's too much naughty, you're gonna pay, right? That's like my, and I realized, well, that's not like what God is like at all, Right, so maybe for you, that's a big step. The first three commandments are God saying, that's not what I'm like. I'm not like the gods of Egypt. I'm like no other God. And the second part of it is that the foundation for how a relationship with this unique God works, that he summons us, that he's holy, meaning there is no comparison to him, and that his name is not a name that people can use to wield him or get him to do what they want him to do, right? If you've missed those, you can go see them, first three commandments. Really, really simple and important. They almost are the first foundation for the next commandments. The next commandments do like a little turn and they start to feel like a bit more interactive. They're commandments about relationships. Now that you know who I am, I'm gonna bless you to have blessed relationships with others around you. And the next commandment we have is this beautiful commandment. And I mean, to be honest, it's a commandment that in my life I struggle with a lot. To understand, to live out, to practice faithfully. And I'm going to explain it to you in a few minutes. Some of you maybe already know this commandment. You you remember reading about it. But this commandment actually shows up before we get to the official section of the commandments. If you're taking notes, you know this, that the commandments that we learn about in the Bible, these 10 commandments, are found in Exodus chapter 20. Okay? So they're there like in almost the middle of the book of Exodus, and also in the book of Deuteronomy, okay? But this command that we're gonna read about in Exodus 20 appears a few chapters before Exodus 20 in Exodus chapter 16. It's not a command yet, but it's a principle that God is already trying to prepare his people for that will later be very, very clearly put in the commandments. And it's so profound, and I need you to understand this. If you're taking notes, I need you to kind of feel the weight of this. That God notices that his people are still very much afraid and living by the old story of Egypt. God knows that his people are learning to celebrate that they're free, but they're still like trying to figure out like, what is this new freedom like? And one day God tries to teach them this by telling them that he's providing for them in a way that they can never provide for themselves. 
This is more than just like being good or doing good and then God will provide for you. God is saying, I'm the kind of God that will provide for you things that you can never provide for yourself. I'm that kind of God. So you have to trust me. And the story goes, I don't want to read it all, but if you're going through Exodus, you'll read it. In Exodus chapter 16, where the people are hungry, they're complaining a little bit. There's a few people who complain in the Bible once in a while. You know, they're still around. They're in our church and stuff. But whatever. So some of you got that to me like... I'm talking about me. Okay, so Exodus 16, God says, this is what's going to happen. I know you're hungry, and I know you're overwhelmed, and from now on, while we're going through the desert, I'm going to provide food for you. And he's like, I'm going to bless you, and for six days, what's going to happen is you can come and get food. It's kind of a miraculous moment in the Bible. Like, I wish sometimes that happened today, but then I think we'd get lazy and whatever. So this moment happens. God says, for six days, you're going to come and get food. And on the seventh day, on the sixth day, I'll give you extra so that on the seventh day, you do not have to come get food. Okay, if you're writing anything down, one of the things I want you to hear when I tell you the story is that God is trying to tell his people something he wants us to learn today, that he's about to give them a gift that they've never experienced in Egypt. Never. They're about to receive this gift of God that is so beyond their understanding that there's not even a category for it. That God loves them so much that he's going to provide for them in ways that they can't even provide, and it's so simple. The gift begins with them just stopping. They just get to rest on the seventh day. Think about that. God's like, Six days, I'm going to provide, provide, provide. On the seventh day, when you, you're used to being like, got to go again, got to keep going, God's like, you're going to stop and you're going to rest and you're going to enjoy that I've provided for you. They had never tasted of this new rhythm of life in Egypt. They had never understood that this was possible in a world where they were slaves every single day. Slaves and those who didn't do every single day, they died. More work, more work, get up, more. And God's like, we're going we're to get that right out of you. We're going to fix that. We're going to pull it right out of you. You're going to rest. Just rest. And I think about this, how hard it's been for me to think about that. Living in a culture where some of that is still so in our culture, and I really think it's almost like a, a new kind of slavery that we almost feel like proud about. You know how busy I am? Do you know how important I am? You know that my whole family, if I'm not there, it falls apart? You know that I'm the glue? You're not that important. Write that down. The whole world's going to work when you're gone. God had to teach me that a long time ago. I still feel it. What if I'm not there? What if I don't do this? What if I don't tell that? God's like, just take a deep breath. Stop. Just stop. You've played your part. You've been obedient. Now trust me, I got this. This is a basic thing that we can take for granted. One, because we work all the time and we love the feeling of what it means that we've worked hard, but this is what happens in the story in Exodus 16. Let me just read it for you, it's pretty profound. Because today is a Sabbath to the Lord, you will not find any food on it on the ground today. Six days you are to gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, which is the name for that day, there will not be any. Nevertheless, some of the people, circle some of the people, went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. Can I, can I be honest? I think I would be in the sum of the people. 
I think I'd be looking outside and be like, I know my wife's going to complain if there's not enough. My kids eat like animals. Uh, I gotta go. I'm going to go. Maybe, maybe Moses misunderstood. Like, I don't know. Maybe there's a mistake. And I would go and be like, wow, God was telling the truth. Today is a Sabbath day. And the word Sabbath means to stop or to rest. Stop or to rest. That's all it means. How many of you know people who still struggle to trust God? with everything that they have. I know people. I know people have been hurt. They struggle. They're not sure if they believe in God. They're not sure if they believe in the Bible. They're not sure they're Christians. They're not sure they're not sure. What would it look like for them to see in us a life that trusts God? What would it look, what would it look like before you preach, before you come to church, before you got to get your life, all those things, you know, Christians are like, it's like a trigger. We say, no, they see in us people who trust God and his provision. That God says, you, you've done your part, now watch. I'm going to provide for you. This is kind of the idea of the fourth commandment already embedded in a story before we get to the commandments, before we actually hear the commandment. And God says, this is a day that's set apart, and it's a day almost of God's grace. And so in a few minutes, I'm going to give you just a few simple points to remember what the Sabbath is about. But, but don't get confused. The word Sabbath means to rest or to stop. 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 I thought about this, like one Sunday, if you just came here every Sunday and you just rested for like an hour and a half just to feel like this is a day, we wouldn't even know what to do with ourselves. I'm like, oh, I should check an email on my phone. Somebody called. I should read a book. I should write a book. I should. Anyway, that's just me. <laughs> Some of you know me. <laughs> but this is what it looks like when that commandment becomes put in the Ten Commandments. I'm going to read it for you now. You'll see it on the screen. It says this. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter nor your male female servant nor your animals nor any foreigner residing in your towns. So I just want to stop here quickly just to let you know. This commandment has two parts. Part one, it's right here. Maybe you got it. Maybe you see that, that God is saying, hey, remember, this is not Egypt. I'm your God now. All the rules have changed. I will provide, I will care for you, I will give to you things that you cannot provide for yourselves, and I want to remind you that when you live this blessing, other people will be blessed as well. That as they stop, they now realize, wait, I'm stopping, I'm slowing down, but people around me, they see that, and they too are blessed to not experience work as well. This would have been such a shift for them in a world where their identity, their significance was found in how hard they worked, how much they produced, how much they provided. This has not gone away, by the way. We live in a world where this still continues. Now, I want to give you just three simple things to kind of remember the Sabbath because it's a beautiful, complicated idea because you don't have to be a Christian to rest. Like, I know a lot of people that rest. Like, you could be an atheist and be like, I take a day off and I rest. That's not the Sabbath. That's just a day off to rest. I want to show you how the Sabbath has a special meaning because those who do the Sabbath, those who practice this rhythm of rest, do it in light of the God that they worship. They do it in light of realizing I'm here because God has provided for me things I cannot provide for myself. That God is doing something special now that I can't do any other way. So I want to give you three simple things. I just have them on a slide for you to just kind of see them. Maybe you want to take a picture to understand. So the Sabbath is a day set aside for special use. The word holy means to set apart, okay? It, it, it means a lot of things, but in this sense, it means that this day has been set apart 
as a special day. Now, all the other days are special to God, and all the other days you, you can do things for God, but this is a day almost of celebrating all of those things. If you're into Bible study or theology and you understand the Bible you know, deeper, the rabbis used to have a profound saying about Sabbath. They used to say, it's not that the other six days are there to help us prepare for Sabbath. No, it's not that the Sabbath is there to help us rest after the six days. It's all the other six days are there for the sake of the Sabbath. That it was so special that they always, people always thought about how sacred it would be for us to remind everybody that our God has provided for us. So we stop. We rest. We know this, that into the first century, the ancient Roman Empire also still saw Jewish people who made that Sabbath rest so much part of their identity. That the Romans are like, that's how we know they're Jews, right there. That's it. They, they rest. It's the way they worship. So the first thing I want you to understand is that worship is a celebration of what God has done and that God has set them free. The other part of the Sabbath is to enjoy in gratitude the goodness of God's provision. Like, I don't know how many times in my life I've worked so hard, and at the end, I'm like, I'm not even happy. It's the saddest times in my life. Like, are you happy? Are you just like, you look at your life and you're like, I feel so at peace with how things are. And I'm like, nah, maybe if I had that. And I'll tell you the truth, one of the days I felt that in the most saddest days of my life was when I finished my PhD. I worked 10 years working on a PhD to get my doctorate, to learn, teach in the church, whatever. And I went through it and I thought, when I finish that, I'm gonna be on top of the world. People are gonna call me doctor, some of you. <laughs> it's a joke, but it is true. Okay, anyway, so, so then people are gonna listen to me when I say stuff to them, nobody listens. My kids and my wife, they're gonna know who's in charge. They don't work at all, nobody cares. Uh, but you have all these expectations of when I get there, it's gonna, I'm gonna be happy, then people are gonna know. And I'm like, I feel like I got up the next day, I was exhausted, had a lot of cool things I could teach, but I'm like, why am I not happy? Why do I not feel like a sense of peace and joy and fulfillment? This is the, the gift of the Sabbath. The gift of the Sabbath is to slow down enough to say, no matter what the world is offering me, no matter what things I'm missing out, no matter all the things I wish I could do, I have this joy in God's goodness that it's okay. Today is going to be okay. That he's provided everything we need, and he's good to us, and he cares, and we're going to celebrate those things. And the last part of the Sabbath is the most simple one, is to rest. We rest. And there's a reason I put them in this order. It's important to understand this order because Sabbath is something you keep even if you're not tired. That's why I put rest last and not rest first. Because a lot of times in my own life, I'm like, I'm not tired. Like, I'm fine. God, you made me better than other people. <laughs> I don't need to rest. God's like, no, 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 no. You need to practice this new rhythm because you still will think like a slave in Egypt. So part of what I want to teach you and help you understand that this, this commandment is this new rhythm. And I want to tell you how easy it is to get caught up, and a lot of people, when they read the Sabbath, they get stuck with the, you know, the precision of it. Like, is it 24 hours? Like, how many hours? Like, if I start later, do I go after? It, can I do it on Saturday, on Sunday? I mean, after a while, you're like, the, the gift of the Sabbath becomes like a debate about every word of the Hebrew language. Right? Now, we can have those debates. But just to give it to you simply, it's a gift of a new rhythm. It's a gift of a new rhythm. That there's a day where you rest. Now, in my own family, I think of my dad or my father-in-law, they're shift workers, you know, so you're like, oh, I can't do Sabbath on that day, I can't be at church. You almost miss the meaning. You can lose yourself in that fear. Just be set free of that. Like, don't worry about those things. Talk about them, but it's this gift that God had given his people, and at this time, it was very simple, in some ways, agricultural, the rhythm, right, of the land. And imagine, like, how hard it would have been 
to be like, we, we, we think it's going to rain tomorrow, God, and it's going to land on the Sabbath. He said, okay, if we go out and just... Pre- no, do not go out. But, but our neighbor's going to get advantage of us, and then... Our- Trust me, I will provide. Just that rhythm of constant... And, and actually, maybe companies, you've heard of this, there's also companies that... Uh, Chick-fil-A is, is a famous restaurant that does this. They, have a, they close the their restaurants on the Sabbath, and it's a way of just saying we're Christians, we think this is important. But I want to tell you how slick that idea kind of distorts the Sabbath a bit, a, a bit sometimes. It's because, because they rest on the Sabbath, they made more money the year after. As if the blessing is the success that comes from resting. The blessing is the rest. Because even when you're not blessed after, you still should keep the Sabbath. But in our culture, we've even found a way to successify the, the com- Oh, if you do this, look, you're going to be better than the other companies. Even if you're worse than the companies, keep the Sabbath. See how easily we use the commandments and we manipulate? Oh, you know, but it's going to be better for you even. No, sometimes it won't be better for you. Keep the Sabbath. Have a rhythm of rest where worship and celebration of God's goodness and slowing down orients your whole life. Here's the most difficult part of Sabbath when you think about it. I think the last one is hard. That you and I have been created with limits. You're a creature and I'm a creature. And Jesus, our Lord, who could have come as a superhero, got tired. Some of you look tired. Some of you, just like me, think, I'm young, I can stay up forever. And then, you know, even as simple as like resting for things that are important. Have you ever stayed up like an all-nighter before a job interview in your life? Anyone? If you've done that, not wise, not wise. But in general, when you think something important is happening the next day, you're like, I'm going to go to bed early. I'm going to maybe shower. I'm going to pretend like I care about taking care of myself. You know, there's a sense that even the Sabbath is to say, tomorrow is a special day. So prepare yourself today for that day. For some of you, it's as simple as saying, tomorrow's a day where I rest, I gather to worship, I'm going to bed early. I want to be ready to learn and I want to have that rhythm. Now, what's very important is in a minute, I'm going to switch and help you understand how Jesus does something special to the Sabbath. But I want to help you understand that we live in a world where people are dying for just this new rhythm. Our phones make it that we are never off. Never like, I get the sweats, and I, I shared this with the staff a little while ago. Maybe I told our elders. I'm like, we should have, like, a series where, for a few weeks, when you come to church, you leave your phone in your car. All of you, your rash would come back in three minutes. You'd be like, oh, my goodness, I need to check. I need, like, just, you just feel the pressure of, like, I should check it. Like, it's, but what if it's important? You're not that important. That, think about what a gift that is. And if it's like that important, they'll call me and I'll tell you it's an emergency. You gotta get your phone. <laughs> like just that reminder you have limits, you need to rest, you need to sleep, and you were made to worship God and to celebrate His goodness. Studies are being done now with a whole generation. Our next generation, they're one of the first generations to grow up with a phone all the time. Like for some of us, we're like, we still remember not having a phone, not having email. Not me because I'm young, but some of you old people here, you don't remember that. <laughs> but. <laughs> No, by the way, I remember not having an email address. <laughs> but, but some of the studies, just to give you the studies of some of the younger people in our culture who need a rhythm check for their lives. This is what one of the studies shows. Two-thirds of young people feel like they don't have enough time to get everything done. Like the, the expectations of doing stuff is through the roof. And 56% say they have a hard time relaxing. That's me. Right? That's you. Even when you're off, you're not off. You're, I got, Sabbath is, is the gift 
of saying every cycle, remember, can it be on the same day? Maybe not, but it's a new rhythm. You are not a slave to the ways of this world. You are not. You are not. Just, can you just receive that? You and I are not slaves to the ways of this world. There's things that are a priority. And I know this as a pastor, it's one of the things I have to be attentive to, that when people call me, whatever they're going through is an emergency for them. And I understand that. And sometimes I'm like, it's not a big deal, I'll call you tomorrow. Because we love to feel that we're so important, you have no idea. I do have a big idea, yeah, I do know. Tomorrow you're gonna be fine. Right, it's just this new rhythm of saying, we're not like popcorn Christians. Oh, that's important, oh, that's great. Oh, we gotta talk about it, oh, we gotta, it's like, oh my goodness, I, I can't. Can we just have like a rhythm? That our lives are on. Now, don't get me wrong. We worship God all the other days as well. But Sabbath is set apart as a celebration of all of that. And actually, we actually shape our Sunday service that way sometimes. We want to celebrate what God's been doing. We've set aside this day to help you to slow down, to stop. Now, you, many of you might know this. This is not my Sabbath. Like, I'm not resting. I'm attentive. Our staff is paying. So we have to think about what that gift of slowing down to stop looks like for us. It's not exactly like we see it in the Bible but that we live in a world where our next generation needs to see us slow down and just experience the limits and the gifts of what it means that God loves us. What would that look like? As I was preparing and just studying, I read something that like, I never thought of before, and, and maybe you, you saw it already. This is what one writer says about the Sabbath, which is so beautiful. He says, the Sabbath doesn't just require Israel to rest. It requires Israel to give rest. This is the first time that the Israelites are going to experience what it's like that they get to do for others what God has done for them. That anyone who lives with them, a foreigner, the animals, they too get a rest. They get to practice the power of telling someone, you rest now. They've been like, no, no, no. We're here to serve you. We're here to give to you. You're our, you know, we're slaves to you. Israel's like, no, no. We know what it's like to be slaves. We remember what it's like to be slaves and nobody under us is going to experience that. Now the sad news is if you read through the Bible, is that the Israelites will not always do that. That there's this gift of saying, God has so formed in me this rhythm, this trust, this worship, that others now will benefit from that. Others will experience what it's like that they get to stop. If you're an owner and a coworker and you have influence over other people, it sets you apart. And we live in a, in a time where that's so not done that we have regulations for that. Like I think of pilots or people that, oh, you've worked too much, you have to stop. Imagine we were saying, no, you can't work now. We want you to rest. We want you to slow down. We want you to, to do this. Now, that's not easy to do in our culture. I'm not saying it's simple, go tell your boss, at my church, we learned about the Sabbath. Don't do that. It's gonna be hard, it's gonna, it won't work. <laughs> but just to say, I'm, I'm learning what that means, to practice that, to do that. Now, the other thing about the Sabbath, which is beautiful, second part of that commandment, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. This is the second part of Exodus, of that commandment. And what I did in the notes, I wanted you to see this, it actually points back to the beginning of Genesis, when God himself creates. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, that an amazing God that's all-powerful does not need seven days to create anything. Right? He could have created everything on one day. He could have just created it in a word, right? There's a sense that the rhythm of creation itself is a gift to us to see that we maybe are created in a cycle and a rhythm ourselves. And God says to his people, I love you so much that in a sense, I've given you a picture of what it looks like that even I will pause to rest. Not that God needs to rest, 
But that God does that, and he rests. And the beauty of Genesis 2, and if you read it all, is that God creates and he blesses everything. He says, this is so good. And the people in the Bible are meant to live in the goodness and the peace of that rest. We sometimes think about this in our lives. When we tell people that, you know, they're resting in peace. is they're resting in the goodness of God's glory when they pass on. There's a peace that God says, everything I've created awaits you. I want to bless you with that. And some rabbis, some of you, it's pretty, pretty wild. Some rabbis say that one of the reasons Adam and Eve will disobey God is they're not living in the promise of the Sabbath, but they're looking at the things that they still don't have on that day. And they're like, wait a second. Isn't there like fruit there that we still don't have, we still can't taste? That they'd say there's something about missing the joy of Sabbath that takes our attention on, forget about all the, all the great things we have. What about the one thing that we don't have? What is God trying to hide from us? That there's something about the rhythm of our lives that's a gift from God. To practice this, to share this, to live out of this way. So maybe you've never heard of this before. Maybe this is kind of new that God had taught us this. Scientists now are figuring out more than ever that people that don't sleep enough gain weight, have heart problems. All the rhythms of science are kind of saying, hey, I think humans are created with a rhythm. Sabbath is not meant to be a legalistic thing that if you don't do, you're punished forever. In the Old Testament, it was. In the Hebrew Bible, when the people did not keep Sabbath, God said, something inside of you has already died, so you can die now. You want to act like slaves? You were dying in Egypt, now you're going to die anyway. It's really hard for us to read that and to be like, well, that sounds mean, I don't know, God. And come to a learning series, we work it out, okay? But in a sense, there's the New Testament gift of Christians that we don't have to keep Sabbath, but we get to keep Sabbath. Maybe that'll help you. That in the New Testament, because Jesus has come and because he's fulfilled all of the teachings of the Old Testament, right? He is the great fulfiller of the commandments. We see that the rest is something that Jesus practices and that Jesus tells us Sabbath was made for you. That's it. God gave you a rhythm in which to live your life so that you can celebrate worship, give back, learn to share, and learn to slow down. And so in the New Testament, we have this beautiful reminder that Sabbath gets a tweak as a gift for us to live in the goodness of who Jesus is for us. I've had times in my life where I realized that I have missed that gift of God, that the benefits and the goodness of God and the rhythm that we see in commandments that are like, ah, these old commandments, they're not for me. Ah, these are dumb, I don't know. I hope somebody else says it. I realize God's like, this is just for you. I've created you with these Limits, and this is how the world is governed by my principles for you. If you don't believe me, I've often talked to people. They're like, no, no, that's not for me. I'm like, okay, try not to sleep for four days in a row. See what happens. Just try not to rest. Just try not to drink water for two days. Try, like, you know, like, everybody's like, there are certain rules. You kind of have to follow those guidelines. We, we're meant to do that. And one of the beauty things about Sabbath is that God gives us this rhythm that's like reminding us of worship and rest and that the earliest Christians will do something so profound. They'll hold on to the principle of Sabbath and they'll tweak it. For the Jews, Sabbath rest, many of the Jewish Christians would have kept that day as a Saturday. When Sunday evening, very, very you know, sharp to say until Saturday the next day, period. Christians will start to say, what if we keep the principle of rest, the principle of worship, and now reframe it in light of the resurrection? Reframe it in the fact that our first day of celebration is the Sunday because that's the day that Jesus rose from the dead. And that's exactly what will happen. 
That is so permeated in our culture that for years in Canada and many parts of the world, you could not work on Sunday. Any of you remember those days? There were laws to not work on Sunday? It's just the sense of like a day off. And you know what? We miss that so much and all of us pray for a snowstorm. Today especially, Lord, please, if you're, if you're real, snow today. No, <laughs> but it's this idea when there's a snowstorm and a day where nobody can do anything, you're like, wow, that's amazing. And I'm like, that's the gift of Sabbath. One, every week, you have that. Just, you can't do anything. You can't go anywhere. Like when, a few weeks ago in Rogers, the whole tower for Rod, Rogers shut down across the world. I'm like, there is a God. There's a God. I can't help anybody today. I can't even go on the internet. And for the first few hours, you're losing your mind. And then you're like, wait a second, is this what it's supposed to feel like? I'm like, yes. It's like we feel it in us that we need that, but then we're like, back to like the machine. Oh my goodness, go, 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 go. I have to do, my coworker did more hours, I need overtime. I need, and then what we do is we kill ourselves and we do Copacabana in the summer. We do Punta Cana in the winter. Two weeks to make up for 300 some days and we're killing ourselves. That is not Sabbath rest. It's the way of the world. Sabbath rest is a consistent rhythm of a new way of life where we stop and we say we are not slaves by the ways of this world. We are not. And the earliest Christians will say, from now on, see Sunday as the day that you've set aside, not legalistically, not that you, know, you might not be able to be, but it's a day set aside to worship and to celebrate God's goodness. And they will start to say that Sunday is the first day of the week. In our culture, Monday is the first day of the week. For Christians, Sunday is the first day of the week. This day and what we are doing right now sets the trajectory for the rest of your week. The lies you're going to hear, the pressures you're going to face, we're like, no, no, we are children of God, we are no longer slaves. Live out of that for this week. Right? And every day live in the benefits of that. And then we set a day aside again. You see the gift of that? Now, I know so many people that make that legalistic and, oh, we got to, I didn't see you at the church, are you a Christian? Like, it's not like that. Can you imagine that Jesus, as he's talking to people and he's teaching them about God's love and about the blessings of not being slaves, he says this to them, and I'm going to close with this. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Gonna ask just Marius to maybe come on the keyboard. But did you ever know that your soul needs to rest? Did you ever think about that your inner life needs to have a pause and almost a sense of realignment so that your whole life is aligned properly, so that everything comes together? Years ago, I had back pain and neck pain, and I couldn't walk for a while. And I remember the gift of, of seeing a doctor, and he says, you know, this is not that hard. If we align things, your body just adjusts, and everything will go away. I'm like, get out of here. I've been sick for three months. What is this sorcery? Right? And I went to them, and they're like, yeah, just what? Something's in your neck. You kind of did something. With, and they did this, and I'm like, I feel better. They're like, yeah, we told you. I often think about that image in my life for how God's commandments work. Once you set these in place as a gift that you live into, all the other things start to line up in the right place. One, that you have limits, and I have limits. And that our inner lives need to be at peace and need to rest and need to slow down, and only Jesus gives us that. That in this promise, Jesus says, this is not only about a Sabbath day set apart, it's that I fulfilled all of the Old Testament, I fulfilled all of the teachings, and now I, in a sense, am your Sabbath rest. 
So when you gather, you're not only gathering to rest, you're gathering to worship me and to know that I have something for you that you cannot provide for yourself. As we close, maybe we can all commit to say, Jesus, remind us that we are the people who need to come to you regularly. One of the greatest signs of your spiritual maturity is how often you ask somebody to pray for you. In a world that says you are self-sufficient, you have what it takes, you're the best, you're the best on the team, you got this, no limits, hustle, go. We say, no, we are not slaves to that way of the world. We are not. We are servants of Jesus. And Jesus says, hey, 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 too long. Need to rest? Come. You don't think you need to rest? Stop anyway. You don't think you need things that only I can provide? That's idolatry. And he gives us this gift. Let me just close your eyes. Take a nice deep breath of hot air. Jesus has a peace for you now. Jesus is gentle and kind. You are not a slave. Jesus calls his disciples his friends. He says, you are my friends. Would you just confess maybe the tendency to miss the gift of God's rest, slowing down the celebration of his gifts. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Maybe you're watching online and this is the first time you hear about the gift of Jesus. That there's a rest and a peace and a hope that only he can give. We just ask you to just send us a note. We'd love to talk with you. And if you're in this room, maybe you know that this is the first step for you of saying, I want the way of Jesus to be the way I live. It's not about the rules. It's not about that. It's about a gift of new life. Surrender and trust. Coming to church doesn't give you that if you don't surrender. Just being here, you can miss the benefits and the joy of that peace. We'd love to talk with you and walk with you as that becomes more real in your life. Let's just stand as we close this morning. If you feel comfortable, maybe you want to stretch out your hands. 
as a sign of the limitations of your body, your back. In some contexts, people kneel. Just say, God, I am a creature with limits. And I want to acknowledge that, that you sustain me. Let's just pray. Father, you are so good to us. And Jesus, thank you for coming to do what we could never do, which is obey the commands and just be righteous in our own strength and merit some kind of salvation. And you remind us that we are broken and weak. And the response that we have is surrender. And so Jesus, we thank you for giving us new insight on the Sabbath. That the commandments can be understood in a fresh way and in a new way so that we remind ourselves that we are not slaves to this world. I pray that you would help each of us, maybe even beginning with today, to stop. To look at our schedule and say, there's not enough rest in my schedule. There's not enough time to worship and to celebrate and to enjoy the goodness of God. I pray we would make it a priority to see even this day as a day set aside for you, for us to gather and to give back and to serve. Jesus, we thank you for how you're teaching us and stretching us. That you go with us now. And help us to understand that as we live these commands, others too will be blessed because of it. May we model your glory and your goodness to others because we are obedient. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Hey, love you all. God bless. See you soon. Don't need to rush off. If you'd like to pray, we'd have just a, a group of people to pray with you. And uh, hug your kids. Ask them what they learned today. God bless everyone.